0: We all know that one guy or girl who clearly isn't as invested in being friends as we are. Indeed, we've all experienced those friendships that can feel draining or not worth it. How do you deal with that? That's what I'll be discussing with my guest today, Ashley Stanton. She'll help identify what toxic friendships can look like and what to do about them.
1: Welcome to Signs of the Times Radio.
0: Welcome to another week of Signs of the Times Radio. This week, I have my heaps good friend, Ash Stanton, joining me in the studio. Hello. Ash, it's been a while. It's actually, this is the first time that we've had you around this year, I think.
1: It is, yes.
0: Very exciting. What's been happening with you lately? Everything all good on your end?
1: Yeah. Life is just, you know, work, work out go home, F45
0: every day. Yeah,
1: pretty much. So
0: Yeah, we actually got you to write an article about that a while back about why you do it. So, yeah, pretty cool that you're still keeping up with it. But today you're actually going full relationship expert with us.
1: I don't know if I'd say expert, but sure I can. (laughs) We're
0: definitely going to call upon your expertise. The interesting thing is that it's not just going to be about relationships. It's going to be more about friendships. Now, Ash... A lot of people would think that relationships, like the romantic ones, they're all the drama. But it seems that friendships can be just as much drama. And it's really interesting because you wrote an article which kind of unpacks the concept of breaking up with your friends. Now, most people would be a little bit surprised by that because a breakup is often seen as something that's applied to a romantic relationship. What made you sort of think about applying that to a friendship that's platonic
1: i think breakups if you think in a romantic sense when they break up you go through this whole stage of mourning and grief and having to deal and process with the fact that you no longer have that significant other person in your life Well, for a lot of us, our friends are really significant people, especially if they're a friend that has been close to you or that you've invested a lot in. If that breaks down for some reason, if that friendship is no more, that is essentially the same grieving process that you go through if you're ending a romantic relationship. So, why don't we ever apply the same process?
0: Yeah, (laughs) that's really interesting. And we're going to definitely go into that a little bit later. But first of all, I just want to get an idea of what a toxic friendship is, because the word toxic, every time I've ever heard it, it always made me think of something that is like physically abusive. So when someone says, oh, that, that relationship I was a part of or friendship I was a part of was toxic, it sounds like either extreme emotional manipulation or it seems like physical abuse. But that's not just limited to that, is it?
1: No, I mean, obviously, if those things were occurring in your friendships, I would say that they were toxic as well. But I guess in this sort of sense, we're looking at just what makes up your friendship and whether things are even and healthy and what it actually means to be to have a healthy relationship. And then having a toxic friendship is the opposite of the healthy friendship. So... I don't know if you are going to, if I'm jumping the gun here, but Reach Out Australia actually put together a list of 10 questions that you can ask yourself and you can apply to your friendships to try and determine is this toxic or is it not? Because it's sometimes not as simple as being like, oh, they're abusive. It's a toxic friendship. Sometimes it's a little more nuanced and there are so many more layers and things that you have to wade through to figure out. Oh, is this actually negatively impacting me, my mental health, and my well being?
0: Mm. Yeah. We're definitely going to go into that list a little bit later on. It's really interesting in your article, your first sort of example of what a toxic friendship can look like is the one where one side seems to be more invested than the other. Like you talk about an example where someone kind of gets back to you. Sometimes you want to hang out with them more than it seems like they want to hang out with you. Is that sort of the most common example of where a friendship is sort of imbalanced, where one side is more keen to invest in it than the other side is?
1: Yeah, I think we've all experienced that to some degree. Oh, maybe no one else out there has, but I've certainly experienced it where maybe I have you know, valued someone and their friendship more than they've valued me. And sometimes that doesn't matter. Like sometimes that's just a fact of life. You'll have people who are varying importance to you. But I think what starts to matter is when you're really investing in that person, making them part of your inner circle, and then they're sort of not viewing you on the same level of importance.
0: I think the question of balance, like what would lead someone to to view you as a lower priority? Is it the fact that you can be pursuing them more for their time and attention? Would that push someone away? Is it just because they don't enjoy your company as much? What leads to this sort of scenario?
1: It can also not even be an issue with you, but maybe the other person's circumstances. So, For instance, I've had a situation where I was friends with some people and it's not that they disliked me. It's that they already had their established friendships and there wasn't really a need for an extra person. There wasn't a need for, I wasn't feeling any sort of friendship hole. Mm. They were feeling a friendship hole for me because I didn't really, at that particular stage in my life, have anyone around me where I was particularly close. And so for me having their friendship was like super important and I was really invested in it. But from their perspective, I was just another one of their handful of friends. Is that necessarily a bad thing? No, but it does mean that sometimes you will just find that you have varying priorities. So you may be prioritizing them way more than they're prioritizing you. You may have more availability for them than they have for you. And some people may not be faced by that at all, but other people, like me, maybe I'm just a bit of a sensitive soul, but those sorts of things, if I can feel those imbalances in friendships, it's a bit of a bummer.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, it feels super sucky if you care more about someone than it obviously appears that they care about you, right? Like, how does that feel?
1: Yeah, like, it's even if we were to apply it to a romantic relationship, if someone was super keen on you, if we're flipping the situation, if someone's super keen on you and you're like, eh, they're all right, like you don't look at that relationship and think, wow, that's a really healthy, solid relationship that's going to last forever. You sort of see, oh, maybe that's not a good match, or, you know, that person's clearly way more into it than the other person and it doesn't really work. And I think the same thing can be applied to friendships.
0: But do you think that achieving like a balanced relationship where both parties care about it enough? Is that a rare thing? Because it feels like a lot of the time, a lot of friendships will ha- have this question hanging above them of one side caring about it more than the other side. Like, it's, it seems pretty rare that both sides actually care about it 50-50, right?
1: Yeah. Like, I think it would be interesting to say, like, do you have a best friend?
0: For me? I asked yeah. Me, do it? you
1: have a best friend?
0: <sighs> to be honest, no. I've got a lot of close friends, but none of, I don't have one singular best friend.
1: Yeah. And so I think that actually having someone who's like, you're number one and you're their number one, that's actually really rare. And I feel like that's something that a lot of the time our fiction and our media tries to, like, they love that story of, you know, the people who, oh, they've got their best friend to fall back on. But I think in reality, a lot of the time, it's like what you said, you have a bunch of people who are close to you, but maybe not your best friend. And I think that that's sort of where it sort of comes together. Like, do you need to label things and know, like, yes, they're my best friend. Or sometimes you can just get a gauge for, yeah, I'm in the same place as this person. They value me as much as I value them. Maybe we're not each other's go-to or bestie, but they're up there. Mm. Yeah.
0: Have you found, like, what have been the circumstances thinking about your best friends in the past how did that sort of come about? Was it because you knew them for so long? Was it because you connected emotionally? Was it because they found your jokes funny and you just got on (laughs) on that level like the banty? What has a best friend been for you in the past?
1: This is going to sound so depressing, but circumstantial. As I have gone through from primary school, high school, studying at higher education to where I am now, the person that I would deem my best friend or my closest friend has definitely been the the person who's in the same situation as I am. So when I was in primary school, it was like the girls that were in the same grade as me and we used to hang out all the time. Sometimes it was also the people I was friends with at church because we were going to church every week, doing the same social things, seeing each other. That was great. In high school, very similar situation. You form your friendship groups amongst those people You form some closer friends and I think a lot of it is circumstantial but then within those circumstances you're sort of more inclined to lean closer to people who are your people if that makes sense. So the people who you just click with or you get along with or you have the same sense of humour or you have the same, I don't know, things that make you tick. They're the sort of people that you tend to gravitate towards so, yeah, like a lot of it has been circumstantial, but then through those circumstances, whether someone has been like a housemate or a next door in the dorms or, you know, the same person that I went to class with every day, sure, there might be multiple people who tick those criteria, but then the ones that you gravitate towards or the ones that you're really close to are the ones that click with you.
0: Do you think it's possible to find a platonic best friend. As human beings, we are often in various different circumstances, whether it be like the circumstances you talked about, but a lot of the time we you move on from those circumstances, you know, you move city to get a different a job somewhere mm. else, you move church, you move here, you move there, things change and then those friends drop away. Do you think it's possible to find a friend that's above all that or is that like super difficult?
1: I guess that all depends on your metrics and how you're measuring what a friend is to you. Mm. Because I suppose I do still have some really close friends that I probably touch base with like a handful of times in the year. Maybe we live in different cities or maybe we're in different stages of life. So, for example, I am married, but I am childless at the moment. I have some good girlfriends that are married, but with children. So, of course, they're in a different stage of life. We're not interacting with each other Mm. all the time. But When I still see them, I still value them as a close friend, but I acknowledge our life circumstances are different and, you know, we're not able to go camping every weekend like we used to, but also that's okay. Yeah, Actually, I would say probably my best friend, and this is probably not going to change, and I am blessed in this way, if you're talking platonically, is my sister, and I'm blessed with the fact that she's family, Mm -hmm. and so because we happen to be sisters who got along well, it's sort of like wherever she is, wherever I am, I know I've still got a really close friend in her. Mm. So, that is a blessing.
0: Does she live in Sydney?
1: No, she doesn't. She lives oh. in Perth.
0: <laughs> oh, that's unlucky because then that's long distance. <laughs> it
1: is. Yeah. So, But that's been one of those interesting ones where it's not necessarily someone who's always around or always there. But I do know that she's always a phone call away and we do touch base Sadly, not as frequently just to catch up, but more so when there's a crisis and we're like, I need my girl. Like, help me (laughs) out. Um, And she
0: she knows the full backstory of your life, hey? uh, So, you don't need to uh, catch up on everything that's happened in the meantime. She kind of like would already kind of know because she knows you that well, right? Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But in saying that, I don't think it's impossible to make close friends as an adult in new circumstances. It can just be a bit harder Mm. because- Making friends as an adult is a lot harder than making friends as a child.
0: (laughs) Oh, honestly, I know what you mean. And especially like what you talked about with the marriage stuff, because as we were talking about before that you'd mentioned that people's priorities change. Yeah. When you start raising a family, then that's full on your priority. Like you're not thinking about hanging out with (laughs) Joe. You're thinking about like raising your child and putting the child to bed and all that sort of stuff. So, all your friendships sort of become secondary, but at the same time, it's really interesting what you're just saying, because I have a mate who was telling me about one of his mates. I have a mate who has a mate. Yeah. And he was sure. telling me that th- this guy considers him to be his best friend and then like never talk. And he said, oh, but he, he'd like hit me up every now and again. And he just reminds me like, Hey man, you, you know, you're still my best friend, even though they don't talk. Yeah, right. And for me personally, like if, if we're talking about my best friend, my best mate lives in Adelaide funny thing is we don't actually talk on a daily basis we only have like catch-ups like every couple of months but he's still my best mate same as your sister like we kind of like just pick up on where we left off the last time we chatted yeah and it's not like oh it doesn't the distance doesn't really change much we still have that full-on connection from before comes back to that theory about I think they say that if you if you've been friends with someone for 10 years, that person's going to be around for life or something like that. Have you, have you heard that sort of quote? I haven't,
1: quote? but I like that theory.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's pretty interesting. <laughs> who but- can
1: I convince to hang around for 10 years? So, <laughs> sorry, guys, it's been 10 years. You got to stick around now. Like- <laughs> but yeah,
0: then again, like my fiance, we were talking about the circumstantial like friends who our friends are on both sides and how many of those are going to be still there if, you say, you just took off to a different city and moved there? Like, how many of them Mm -hmm. would honestly actually, would you actually stay in touch with? I mean, some of them might be like, oh, if you're passing through the city again, you might hang out with them once or twice. But a lot of our, yeah, a lot of our friendships are based on circumstances.
1: Yeah, and that's not a negative thing for the record. That's just human nature. It's just how it works. You happen to be in a particular space in life and you gravitate towards people who are in the same space of life or- in an educational setting, it's like, oh, we're all in this together type mentality. So, yeah, it's not a bad thing. It's just reality.
0: But the question is, Ash, let's say you want to hang out with your mate, like guy or girl. They're really cool, but it seems like they're not as into it as you are Mm. in a platonic friendship. What do you do about it? Well, first of all, if you're super keen to hang out with them and uh, you're not letting this deter you, how do you... Become a priority to them when it's clear that you're not.
1: I don't know if you can make, <laughs> make someone make you a priority. I, I definitely know that you can try. Like, you can put yourself out there, give yourself ample opportunities to be hanging out with them, seeing them. But I suppose it gets to a point where you actually can't force them mm. to make you a priority. So, you can put in some hard yards but at the end of the day, if they look at you and they don't see you as a priority, you can't change that. And that's not necessarily a reflection on you. It's just a how it is.
0: Yeah. Classic example of this is actually like my relationship with my fiance. Now, I know that's romantic, so it's not platonic. But she she'll always tell you if you like ask her, she'll always be like, I was the one putting in all the hard work in the beginning. And to be honest, she is kind of right. Like, she did do a lot of the hard yards in the beginning. And now, like, our our relationship is fully, like, fully balanced. Like, we're fully 50-50. And it's, like, perfectly balanced. But she could have easily given up in that initial stage when, like, Daniel just had to figure some stuff out <laughs> and, like, let it go forever. But she decided to, like, charge on ahead. And now we're, like, fully engaged. Like, you know?
1: Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I think uh, there's such a fine line between wanting to give up on someone because it's hurting you that you're more invested than they are but then sometimes it can actually work out in the long run like maybe they're just going through a really busy stage of life and they actually don't have time for anyone Mm. except maybe the cat that they have to feed at night or something but yeah I've definitely had instances with friends where they've just been in a really tough time in life and you have to just acknowledge that and not take it personally. I think that's the really hard thing to do. You can take them always being busy or not being available really personally and think it's a reflection on who you are as a person. When in reality, if they're a uni student, they might have some hectic exams coming up, or they might be preparing for a major project at work, or I don't know, maybe they're giving birth in a couple of months. And so, you know, things are changing, but I have also had situations where I've sort of just left those people to their particular life stage. They've gotten themselves sorted out and they're back in my life again. And it's great. It's wonderful. And there are no hard feelings because sometimes you just have to acknowledge life will life.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's right.
1: So, yeah.
0: Now, we're talking a lot about the time priority stuff, part of what a toxic friendship might look like, but there's heaps of others, right? There's if someone only ever hits you up when they need something and makes you feel like super wanted at the time, but then- boom, they disappear again and you want to hang out with, you know, with genuine interest and they're not around. But until the next time they want something from you, are there a few other examples of what a toxic friendship can be that you can think of?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's definitely one. Sometimes, like, it could be a favour or sometimes I, like, it could be that person who only ever talks about themselves. When you are together, everything is about them, them, them as soon as they've offloaded they're like oh so great to see you when can we do this again or oh gosh i don't even know of any other like i'm sure there are some
0: can i actually whip <laughs> out my phone at this stage please do <laughs> right before we we started this podcast ash what i did was i i went on reddit
1: ah uh, that good old place yes <laughs> i went on
0: reddit and i went on the subreddit ask reddit see i said reddit like three times in that sentence and i i said what are some red flags that a relationship is unhealthy or toxic for your mental health? Yes. And the wise folk of the internet said this. One guy said, they mess with your boundaries or don't reciprocate your energy. They talk bad about other people. Worse, if it's your friends, because they also like to isolate you. Another one, when you frequently stop and question if that friendship is good or bad, that is a red flag on its own. Mm-hmm. That kind of sounds like you're, you're not really sure why things are not Great in the re- the friendship, but it just it's a, like a gut instinct kind of thing. Another one, they have to one up every single thing you say or do.
1: Oh, that one drives me insane. <laughs> is it,
0: do you think that's that can be an issue for both genders, or is it one or the other that faces this this issue more often?
1: I mean. I actually don't know that it's a gender issue so much as it's actually a self-esteem issue. Mm. So I feel like in my experience, the people that I have encountered who are constantly trying to one-up you, it's because they maybe are not so secure in their position or they just want attention or they want to feel included or they want people to be like, wow, how cool was that person? Yeah, at least that's the experience with the people I've come across who constantly want to one-up you, but that is exhausting in itself, being on the opposite end of it.
0: Because you, you're just like in f- competition with yeah. these people the whole time.
1: And sometimes it's not as obvious as just like one-upping, but like maybe one, if you're like telling your woes to someone and they're like, oh yeah, it's like this time that, and then they hijack the conversation and you're like, that's nice, but I actually just wanted to to soundboard my issue with you right now, <laughs> not reflect on the thing that happened to you a year ago that happens to be bigger and greater and worse than what i'm going through all
0: oh true yeah it was really funny i actually had a conversation recently where i'm i had a bit of a whinge and i'm like i haven't seen my family in a year and a half my fiance chimed in she's like i haven't seen my family in four years and then this other (laughs) person was like i haven't seen my family in six years like (laughs) 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 just like and we were like okay Let's just say someone's always got it worse (laughs) and then it kind of like ended off on that. (laughs) But yeah, really interesting what you're saying there. I think, yeah, it seems like for me, both guys and girls have this same problem just in different ways. Yeah, Like with, with girls, it can be about, well, I guess for both, it can be about status and stuff like that. But for girls, it can often be about who's getting married first, who looks better, that kind of stuff. Whereas for blokes, it's like, yeah, whose car is better or more expensive, whose salary is higher. Do you guys
1: genuinely have those conversations?
0: I haven't been a part of like those conversations, but I think it's definitely like an underlying thing because if someone like mentions their salary, it's like, oof. Right. Because men are very competitive. Men are very competitive as well, as well as, you know, the obvious stuff, like who's got the bigger TV, I guess. And there's, yeah, there's heaps of ways that we go into competition with with other people. Okay. Just a few more from this Reddit thread that is uh, (laughs) bringing us so much to talk about. When a significant other has a lot of opposite sex friends and is close with exes. Ex-romantic relationship partners, I think that's what they're trying to say. Another comment, she avoids talking about the actual relationship. So I guess if you have like a friend with whom you have things to sort out and they don't want to be a part of that and just there for the good times maybe. But this, this one comment was very interesting. This is one I want to discuss with you a bit more. I was in a toxic friendship with a girl that kept saying she was going to... A very derogatory way of saying she was threatening to commit suicide. Right. Every other day for no reason. It emotionally drained me. If it's a one-time thing, you should help them. But once it starts hurting you mentally, it's time to cut it off. Now, the question there is, in a situation like that, how long do you stick around and try to help a person out when they're in need? when they're clearly struggling with something and when should it be time to slowly start letting them go?
1: That is such a hard one. And I would say it depends on your own personal capacity. So, naturally in those situations, especially if someone is indicating that that's the sort of ideation that they're having if they're considering or entertaining thoughts like that, that more often than not, unless you're a psychologist or a counsellor, is above your level of expertise. Mm. So you can definitely have, like, coming from a human perspective of this person is struggling, I want to care for them or I want to help them out. But at the same time, is your help the best help that they could get? Mm. So I know, like, in some of my situations or some of my personal Like, friends, of course, if we're having tough times, we'll discuss it with our friends. It's not like you don't want to just be like, oh, don't discuss your troubles with me. They're too much or it's too big. But especially when it's repetitive like that, definitely that could also just be a cry for attention or a whole bunch of other things. But, like, they, that's when you definitely need to be able to set boundaries for yourself about how you will and won't interact with that person, you may be able to keep contact with them. But if it's getting a bit too much, like you may need to consider just like cutting it off altogether. Again, I feel like it's one of those case-by-case situations. But as someone who has seen a psychologist and continues to see a psychologist, I cannot overstate the importance of getting professional help for whatever it is you maybe going through. Now does that mean I don't ever discuss my personal trials or issues with my family and friends? Of course not. Like that's a part of who I am, it's part of my journey, it's what I'm going through. But I take the bulk of that and the bulk of that responsibility lies with a professional. So it's not burdening my husband every single night. It's not burdening my sister, my mom, my dad, my close friends. It's something I share with them, they're aware of it. But All of the nitty gritty and the ugly stuff, like while they see glimpses of it, it's not their burden to carry. Mm. And I think in that situation that you just read out, when they are the one who is emotionally carrying you through, that's not sustainable. (laughs)
0: Mm.
1: So that person who's doing the carrying as that person indicated is going to get burnt out and just not able to continue doing that. And I also just think they shouldn't have to do that, at least not to that extent. Like, definitely, of course, they're going to care. They're your friend, but they can't be responsible for you. Yeah. I've heard
0: heard (laughs) countless testimonies of people as well who have that one friend that never gave up in their most difficult times. And I know in my life, when I've gone through difficult periods, it's the ones that, probably weren't getting a lot out of it but were sticking around anyway that you really treasure their friendship there wasn't anything in it as far as positive catch-ups or whatever at that point but they decided to stick it out because of you on the other side of the coin it, it sort of reminds me of that you know sometimes it's it's worth like sticking it out t- to some extent obviously we're not talking about to the, to the point where it's dragging you down now that we've sort of outlined some of these sort of ways in which a friendship can be toxic. What you do do in your article is you outline a checklist for mm. people to read and see if it applies to themselves. If, so maybe there's a, there is one of those friendships, like the guy on Reddit said, where something felt off and that's a clear enough red flag. Yeah. But you have a more specific set of guidelines to judge it against. Can you just share some of them? If you yeah, so then?
1: this was interesting that it's actually something that's being discussed by Reach Out Australia, which is a mental health organisation in Australia. So they've actually put together a list of 10 questions to assess whether your friendship is toxic or just undergoing the ups and downs of life. So the first one is actually just do they like you for you? Mm. So are you pretending to be a different person? Do you feel like you have to put on a persona when you're around them or do they actually like you as you are? Simple one, number two, do you have fun when you hang out? Mm. If the answer to that is no, then what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously, uh, what you said in some instances, not having fun is part of having a friendship. But yeah. in general, if you're trying to put your finger on is this friendship toxic or not, that could be a good indicator. Do you look forward to hanging out with them? Do they make you feel good about yourself? Are they there for you when you need them? So, is it a two-way street? You might be there for them all the time, but if you're in the same situation, will they be there for you? Do you feel recharged after spending time with them? Do you feel like they really listen to you? I find this one interesting. Would you trust them with a secret?
0: Hmm.
1: So, if they're the sort of person that you think they'll just find that as a bit of juicy gossip and run off and tell the next person, maybe that's not the best friendship for you. (laughs) Um, Do you feel like you know them well? So, not just what they like, but who they are as a person. Like, do you understand their soul, I guess, if you want? And do they often ditch you when something or someone else comes along? Right. So, that's the list. And if you answered negatively to a handful of those questions, that's when it may be time to reassess the friendship or your current involvement in it or just how much emphasis you're putting on that person.
0: But there can be some friendships that are still healthy and have some of these points as part of it, right? Yeah, it's of just course. Like, it's just like when it's a majority of these things are a pattern in the friendship.
1: Yeah, like I feel like if you're questioning your friendship in the first place <laughs> and you're going through this checklist, that's possibly when you'll be like, oh, there's actually a problem with this friendship as opposed to just acknowledging the fact that we're human and no one is perfect. And of course with everything in life, your friendships are going to have their ups and downs. Mm. So yeah, I definitely think like, of course, as I mentioned with some of those things, like you're not always going to have fun with someone when you're hanging out. Like if I'm going over to a girlfriend's place because she's just been dumped by her partner and i'm there to help her and take care of her of course that's not going to be a fun time mm. but it's also not the normal like yeah. it's not something oh every single time i'm going over to that person's place oh i'm dreading i don't want to go or oh yeah. i need to this person's just going to offload their life onto me like do you see yeah the like the if difference?
0: it's if the good times are like a fully distant memory yeah. and it doesn't sh- seem like things are recovering there should always be a period of well hopefully mental recovery after some of these things hey
1: and it's a bit like what you said like what about those people who were there for you and in the tough times and they didn't give up and i definitely think that there's a place for that and i'm not just saying if you're hanging out with someone who always seems a bit down to just be like well ashley said this is a toxic relationship i'm just going to bail now mm. um i think it's just about learning and understanding your capacity because everyone has a different threshold everyone has a different capacity and if you are at your max, like if you just can't take any more, it's not healthy for you to stick around and to take on someone else's burden. But some people might be in a place in their life where they can take that on and where they are able to stick around and are able to champion you through a tough patch. And that's awesome.
0: Yeah, But
1: I think the flip side of that is knowing when it is important for you to step away and set your boundaries and potentially be like, I'm not going to reply to texts after 10pm from Mm. this person because they're just calling on me at any moment of the night and it's exhausting me or knowing like maybe I'm not going to be the one to reach out to this person that I'm more invested in than they are because it's hurting me when they don't reply. Like understanding when you need to set your boundaries and that's different for everyone. So...
0: So, that was actually going to be my next follow-up question to, you know, identifying a toxic relationship is what you do about it. Yeah. So, you seem to be suggesting, because like the obvious answer to that is, how do you deal with a f- toxic friendship? Well, you obviously, you back out fully. But you're you, what you're seeing is you don't have to fully back out. There's so many different scenarios that could resemble a toxic friendship. You know, someone just hitting you up to use you. Some of the boundaries you put in place might be as simple as not replying to them or just saying no sometimes, right? Like it doesn't have to be you fully cut them out and ignore yeah. them and never talk to them again. <laughs> like that's, that sort of response doesn't have to be the answer to everything, right?
1: Yeah, like say for instance, you have a friend who's always hitting you up to do favours. All they're ever doing is hitting you up to do favours. Maybe one of your things is learning how to say no to them. Or if you're like, oh, I still have capacity to help them out a little bit, but just not as frequently. Maybe you're like, oh, I'll say yes to every second thing that they ask me, but I'll also, you know, give myself space. Or sometimes it might just be as simple as, you know, setting what I said, like time restrictions around, I won't reply to this person in the middle of the night because they'll get used to being able to call on me at any hour. And that's not, that's, you know, crossing my boundaries and really taking over my life. And there will possibly also be situations where the answer is to completely cut someone out. But I don't think that that always has to be the answer. Like just because you're experiencing a toxic friendship doesn't mean you have to cut them out unless you feel like that's the only way forward. (laughs)
0: Yeah, 100%. And it's really interesting what you're saying just about not letting them kind of rule over you, not like letting them get used to you replying at midnight whenever they need your help because I I was going on some other articles on the interwebs and found a list (laughs) of advice and one of them was really interesting it said choose not to let them have power over you yeah it's almost like a mental thing and I was like man that's so deep because when you're invested in someone more than they're invested in you. They do have power over you. Yeah. You're kind of seeking their, their attention or whatever or seeking their, their time, seeking their whatever. And that's power because that they essentially control the way you go about things. And then another one of them was stop making assumptions about intent. Now, that's a really interesting one because, you know, it's kind of human nature to overanalyze things. Like if your, your friend's not, you know prioritizing you you start coming up with reasons you start thinking about how oh it's clearly because they're such a bad person Mm. and stuff and that can become unhealthy in and of itself because you're kind of spiraling down this pathway of like overthinking it
1: yeah like maybe they're actually having problems in a romantic relationship or maybe they're really struggling at work or maybe someone is ill in the family or maybe they are burnt out themselves and they just can't bring themselves to reply or to get in touch or to do whatever it is that you're hoping or expecting of them often so many of these things would be solved if we actually just raise them mm. so had that conversation with someone to say hey i feel like this is one-sided or i feel you take advantage of me in this friendship or whatever it is sometimes it can be beneficial to actually like Maybe not have it as, like, a clinical conversation with them, yeah. (laughs) but maybe just raise, like, hey, you know, like, why are you never replying to my messages? It actually really hurts me when you don't do that. Or, hey, I actually have really been wanting to tell you about this new thing that's been happening in my life, but I haven't really had a chance. Or... Even something as simple as just asking, "Hey, are you okay? I've been noticing you've been acting kind of strange lately, or mm. you've been a bit absent, or you've been a bit whatever it is." Or, <laughs> "Hey, Daniel, sorry, can't reply to your messages anymore. When you message me at twelve o'clock, man, like I need to sleep." Can just you, FYI,
0: like, I I definitely don't. Doesn't know. Got to bed at ten thirty.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're not awake at midnight. But like, yeah, in those we're getting old. I know. <laughs> But like in those sorts of situations, sometimes it can be helpful to have that conversation with them. Other times, there are boundaries that you can put in place without involving them in the process.
0: It's really cool that you say that because, you know, when we look at sort of the Bible model of how to deal with this sort of stuff, I guess in the Bible, it talks more about if someone's doing something wrong. But it does say, well, first of all, you go and talk to them. Yeah. And the second of all, if if they like shun you away, then you go with someone else and you, you talk to them again. Yeah. Um. Like rather than just like hey, like kind of just dismissing them and moving on yeah. with your life, it is healthy to have communication. I guess it's the manner in which you do it as well. Like you don't want to confront someone, and be like, <laughs> "You did this. Why are you doing this? Why are you behaving the way you are? Why am I not in more more important to you?" Because that person's obviously going to have their like, their They'll barrier go so up. So defensive. and yeah. that's
1: just not productive at all. <laughs>
0: yeah i f- I find that unfortunately um that us Slavs we tend to be a bit more intense with how we go about our interpersonal interactions rather right. <laughs> and so it's been a it's been a good learning process for me that whenever I go and confront someone that I have to learn to be you know present the information in a very calm sort of not in a critical kind of way yeah in the same way that when someone comes to me. And my defense goes up when they start accusing me of things, but the people that I show concern and want to like work on it together, those are the ones that I'm fully receptive to. Yeah. Comes down to the approach, hey?
1: Yeah, definitely. And, and that's the thing, I, I guess with your own friends, you'll know what the correct approach is. If I've been saying, yeah, just have a chat to them and you're thinking of your friend in your head and you're like, that would not go down well. Maybe that's not the right approach to take with that person.
0: Yeah. <laughs> now, actually, I, I saw this tweet once by this person which is like this is my toxic trait and they started this thread of everyone sharing what their toxic traits are now we've been kind of talking about the other person as being the one responsible for the toxicity do you think that we all have toxic traits and what if we're the one that's providing the toxicity into a friendship with someone else like and then we find through some (laughs) circumstances we realise that like what do we do then
1: oh I guess that's like I mean everyone is trying to improve themselves or at least most people are trying to and that's like human nature like as much as it's easy to to look at your friends and be like this is everything that's wrong in this situation chances are people probably have an issue with you and you're probably aware of the things that you don't do too well just like you're aware of your strengths most people are aware of their weaknesses as well and in friendships you're possibly aware of that too and I guess maybe it's just being aware of it for example I know I think of the things that hurt me in my interpersonal relationships and I try and avoid doing the same thing for other people so for example oh like I I'm a very chatty person Mm -hmm. and that relates to my messaging and all the rest of it (laughs) I can sometimes take it personally if someone doesn't reply to me. Mm. But for some people, they hate messaging. They hate. (laughs) Yeah. And so, for them, it's like a bit of a clash. But it means that when someone messages me, because I know I don't like to be left without a response, I try and respond. And I guess it's just like if someone actually raises something with you, if you're not coming to the conclusion yourself, if someone raises something with you, trying not to be defensive about it I remember (laughs) my husband was actually someone who taught me how to apologize (laughs) really? I know that that sounds odd what I mean is not to apologize but to like actually acknowledge what it was that you were like how to give a good apology Mm. like not just be like I'm sorry I hurt you Mm. but being like I'm really sorry for doing x y and z you know I can see it obviously upset you in this way and I didn't consider how that made you feel and I'm really sorry for that and part of it is taking responsibility not palming it off and being like oh yeah but like you also did this and so that contributed (laughs) to the way it's like no take responsibility and yeah if someone confronts you about something be open listen and if you can address it change it
0: yeah and it's such a humbling thing when I think about every time I've had to apologize it's kind of like oh yeah it's your first instinct is to do exactly what you just said okay you do the conditional apology which, you know you, you kind of apologize for what they said but then you're like but you did this you, you <laughs> counterattack you got yep. you whip that out of the yeah the holster but yeah the the full apology is a very humbling sort of experience so humbling yeah yeah it's never it's never a ple- pleasant one but it's a necessary one cuz it's what relationships are all about like you mentioned People have their own preferences for how to go about things like, you know, your, some of your friends don't like to message, whereas you like to like send bigger chunks of messages or anything like that. It comes down to understanding the other person and how to what's the right approach to use for them. But at the yeah. same time, if you're trying to do that as much for every single person, you can kind of, you can kind of overthink it all the time because <laughs> you're, you're constantly like afraid or paranoid that you're going to upset someone by doing s- things a certain way. So, there is a sort of a, a balance to it, yeah. isn't there?
1: yeah look, we're all human, you can try your best and I encourage you to try your best. But chances are you're still going to step on toes and the blessing and the curse of having really close friends is the closer that you are to someone, the easier you can hurt them, even Mm. if it's unintentional because their opinion matters a lot to you and your opinion matters a lot to them. And so, you know the closer you are the more you can hurt someone accidentally or intentionally and I think it's just being aware of that but also just being like yeah what a blessing that I have people who know me and are willing to go through the trials of life and deal with who I am but are also yeah they just accept who I am but also keep pushing me to be better
0: yeah <laughs> so, Yeah, That's cool. Now, we've kind of gone through like identifying what it is, how to deal with it. But also, I have one more scenario up my sleeve, which is, let's say they kind of start trying to come back into your life. Or let's say you realize that you're the toxic person, right? And then, and you've decided to work on it. And now you want, you know, you value that person, you realize what you've lost, and you want to come back into that, hoping that you're gonna this time be better. Or if you're the person who, you know, you've sort of slowly backed out of someone else's life because they have been toxic to you and they realized it and they want to start coming in to your life again and want to work on the friendship more so this time around. Is there a set of like, do you test it? Should you open yourself up to them willingly to to be back into that friendship again? Should you put them under a, a period of probation where you just like skeptically assess their actions? What happens if someone wants to come back?
1: I think it to for you if you're the one who's accepting someone back it would just depend on how much you valued them in the first place mm. so like if they were one of your really close friends then you're probably going to be quite invested and interested in having them back in your life chances are if they are one of your really were really one of your really close friends though they also probably did some significant damage on their way out So, I I guess there are, like, so many things to consider depending on the situation. Like, was it one of those really manipulative relationships where they were, like, oh, thinking these really heavy thoughts and sort of using you as a, you're the only one who's getting me through. That would be a lot to sort of take back on. Mm. And you'd probably definitely have to have some considerations, like, what have you done to to address this issue are they open to discussing it or can you see that there has been change and something is like not as small but like if it was on a lesser scale maybe you had an imbalance in priorities have their priorities shifted are Mm. they now looking to value you in the same way that you value them or that you can see yourself valuing them again Mm. Yeah, and I don't think that there's any like right or wrong way. I'm sure there are people out there who have like blacklisted their toxic friends for life, and that's your prerogative. Like, that's their prerogative. You can, if that's what was necessary, that's what was necessary. But I'm, I personally don't have that with anyone, and I think. The more of us that get along in life, the better.
0: (laughs) That's right. And people do deserve a second chance. Like, I I have seen some memes on Facebook, which is like, cutting negative people out of my life. I'm like, far out. That seems pretty heavy-handed. Like, I I probably wouldn't do that. I I do want to stay on good terms with people around me. But for hate, like, that person may have gone through something that's... or friendships that are so bad that that's important for that person in Florida for their, you know, mental health to recover, hey?
1: Yeah, I think it's so interesting because mental health has definitely been something that is more of a topic of conversation these days, especially with the pandemic. With COVID, the other flip side of that was mental health has been on the rise and people are talking about it more. And I think part and parcel with the whole mental health discussion is, self-care and everyone's become more aware of this concept of self-care and analyzing what it is that they need to recharge and for some people it has just been realizing those negative friendships or those negative influences in their life and cutting them out now whether who's to say like what it was that made them decide to cut people out and whether it was just for that stage in their life or whether it was forever who knows and like No one can really tell you that for you. Mm. I guess it's something that you've got to come to yourself.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, it's such a a loaded topic, hey, with all the potential nuances in there. But look, I really do appreciate that you you tackled it in your article and offered solutions for identifying what can be some of the red flags in one of those friendships and what you can do about it. And then, you know, unpacking that a little bit more in this podcast. I really appreciate that you you took on that topic yeah, you know no obviously worries. it was one that you were uh, you were passionate about so yeah really appreciate that ash
1: no worries
0: cool well it's great to have um, you this week on signs of the times we'll hopefully get you on some point in the near future we love having you in the magazine and in the podcast Thank so <laughs> yeah Till next time ash thanks Until so much next
1: time thanks for having me <laughs> today's episode was based on an article appearing in this month's signs of the times magazine a subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au in Australia or signsofthetimes.org.nz in New Zealand. This is an Adventist Media Podcast.